This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about technology that affects us all, but most of us don't understand. Presented in a format that allows you to consume it in the time it takes to go to and from the grocery store. I'm your host, Lou Covey, and I probably know more about it than you do. And if I don't, I know someone who does. So let's get to it. Okay, unless you've been living underneath a rock in the Northwest Territories, you've heard about the breach of the MGM Grand and Caesars uh, and, uh, Casino uh, servers in Las Vegas uh, by a, a bunch of hackers uh, who demanded a lot of money, got some money, didn't get some money. It's been a mess. But it's one of the best covered breaches in, in that I can imagine. There have been all kinds of stories about it. Uh, there's been all kinds of discussion about it. The one thing that hasn't been discussed is the key point in the middle of this whole issue, a 15-minute conversation between one of the hackers and a level one help desk that was um, outsourced from uh, Okta. And in in the uh, next next week in Cyber Protection Magazine, uh, we're going to have a special section on this because we're looking at the issue of social engineering. You've probably heard about it. You probably think you know what it is, but essentially what it is 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 finding a way to talk someone into doing something stupid, and that's exactly what happened here. And there's all kinds of ideas about what could have gone into this, but I've actually talked to some people and we back-engineered this to find out how it was that this guy was able to be convinced by the hackers to turn off all the security and give the keys of the kingdom to the hackers. It's it's a fascinating story, and in this particular podcast, we've got two of the people that we talked to. One is Ryan Healy Ogden. I love that name. Uh, he is the director of cybersecurity solutions for Click Armor, which is a training organization. And then we've also got Boyan Simic, the CEO and founder of a company called Hyper, spelled H-Y-P-R, all capital letters. And what they do is they provide a technology for authentication of users that they claim could have stopped this cold. And they disagree with each other. Uh, They weren't in the same room together, so they're not arguing, but they have a basic disagreement as to what needs to be done. Uh, On the one side, uh, Ryan, he thinks that you need to train and train and train until it finally sticks. And Boyan says, yeah, that hasn't been working. And the thing is, they're both right. So that's why I decided to lump these interviews together into one podcast. And I'm sorry, it's 45 minutes long, which is longer than I normally do. But uh, I think you're going to learn something. And if you go to Cyber Protection Magazine, where this podcast will also be, uh, you will be able to read several articles uh, that will cover not only the MGM Grand, uh, but also... A, a, a case study on an individual level and there is going to be a, a piece by a, another trainer who says the there are 10 things you can do to protect yourself so if you haven't been reading the magazine shame on you you should be doing that it's a good magazine got a lot of good information in there and not just for tech heads uh, but uh, if you are make sure you go there and read this because it's good stuff uh, so here we go with the MGM Grand Breach and 
social engineering. So uh, we got Ryan Healy Ogden, great name, Director <laughs> of Cybersecurity Solutions at Click Armor. And we're talking about the MGM Grand Caesars breach. Um, now, Ryan, I told you my basic idea of this is that yeah, th this has been one of the best covered breaches in <laughs> history that I can see. I mean, even even the attackers are detailing <laughs> what it is they did yeah but yeah, the time the timelines and everything that are coming out are, are fantastic yeah. it's it's almost like they're filling in the blanks for us yeah and, and i've also talked to the people at okta and they've given me a pretty good detailed uh outline about what happened mm -hmm. but there's one thing that isn't being talked about the 15 minute conversation between the attackers and the help desk guy yep and when I realized that, I certainly hit me. No one has ever actually described how a social engineering attack works. Right and now, now I, I've got a good idea, and I, I've got this story about as a pastor who got caught up in one of these things and realized that the person was a scammer, and so decided that he was going to catch this person and reveal mm. them to the police not realizing that he wasn't nearly as smart as this person, at least when it comes to cyber stuff, and ended up almost losing his marriage and his job and destroying his church because uh, because they were demanding they send money to him. And, and it was it was a pretty stupid process of how he got caught by these guys, these guys. Uh, but it seemed to be fairly typical. But I don't know if it actually applies in this case. So Maybe you can fill me in. What could these hackers have done to get this help desk guy to turn off multi-factor authentication and open up and give the keys of the kingdom to the hackers? Yeah. I mean, from what I understand, it was, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a phone call to a level one support desk um, that, and that level one support desk is, you know, is, is offsite. Um, I believe it's actually even overseas uh, from MGM itself. So, you know, when I, when I first look at the attack vectors, you know, the, the, the attackers did their homework, right? So they knew that they were dealing with a call center that was maybe slightly disconnected from the actual organization itself, um, which you know tends to be a, a little bit less secure and a little bit less attached uh, to the organization. But how did they actually pull it off? Classic social engineering and probably a lot of charm. Um, so you know, when I have to kind of reimagine how this happened and the phone call was placed, you know, I've. Uh, in red red team exercises, social engineering's you know done a lot of the time. Um, you simply call in and you become friends with that person. You use those psychological um, you know tactics of um, how's your day going? You know how's your family? Oh, you must be having a stressful day. I'm just going to be you know take a quick minute of your time. Uh, I just need some help. I lost my phone. Uh, I have to get access to my account because you know my boss is screaming down my neck. And you start to apply different kind of pressure tactics that the the recipient doesn't even understand that they're being put under pressure. Right. And so when you give them some sort of timeline, you know, some sort of stress that they're now a part of, they're going to want to try and help it solve your problem. That's human nature. And again, when you're at a level one help desk, your job is to do that, help the, you know, the employees that you are there to support. So typically you're going into each call with the 
uh, you know, with the desire and the end goal is to, you know, please that customer, get a good customer service score, maybe get a promotion, you know, all these different things. You want to do your job well. So when someone speaks to you with intelligence and confidence uh, and puts a little bit of pressure on you, you know, that that social engineering uh, is unfolding in real time and you don't even understand that you're being a part of that. And typically, I think, you know, what happened to your friend before and what happens to uh, many people in this these situations is they don't even understand what's happening to them because they haven't been taught about social engineering. Uh, to your point, not a lot of people talk about, um, you know, the the attack vector and, the, you know, the kill chain of, of, of social engineering and how everyone's susceptible to it. Um, you know, you can, you can do it at the grocery store, you know, you can, you can do it to get a better parking spot, you know, people social engineer their way into upgrades at hotels and, you know, different things all the time. And so as humans, we are just built to try and almost get our way through acts of kindness, through acts of confidence, and, and just having those, those, those conversations. So how did this happen? I, I just think it was probably straight up kindness, probably a lot of flattery, uh, and a little bit of assistance. Um, you know, so if, if they're, if they're anytime someone gives you a roadblock, try and solve the problem for them. Uh, if I was the attacker, so if the level one help desk support said, well, I'm not too sure if I should be doing this, you quickly have a reason why, and you quickly have a, you know, a good convincing business case. Why? Well, I need to get this report in because this report's worth millions of dollars. And if I, I don't get this in, these guys don't get paid. We can't do that going into the weekend. You know, you pick these different tactics to try and put a little bit of pressure on that person to say, you know what, I am going to give you that challenge code over the phone. I am going to reset the password. Here's a temporary password. And unfortunately, you know, the, the person that they, they helped uh, impersonate um, was an Octa Super admin, you know, global admin. And so once you have those rights, um, you know, the, the, the keys to the castle, so to speak, um, you're in as a, as an Octa, um, you know, you know, kind of ha having those rights will let you have access to the Active Directory, uh, the, the virtual machines, and, and everything else that was touched upon. Uh, because Okta being a single sign-on solution, it's supposed to make things easy for you to have access to these different systems. But if things aren't set up correctly, uh, and if enough roadblocks aren't in place and segregation of networks and systems aren't in place, this is unfortunately what happens. Uh, well, you give I, someone the key I, to the city. I, I have a, a twist to give to you. Because oh, this is yeah. what I got. This is what I got from Okta. This is I'm, I, I like this. <laughs> okay, the caller impersonated the super administrator. Mm -hmm. Yes. So step one, let's go back and figure out how they did that. Yeah. Uh, so so they they did it by getting the information through LinkedIn. LinkedIn, and guess what? That super administrator probably had on their LinkedIn profile. What that they that they could have even been an Okta super admin. See. One of the one of the problems, <laughs> one of the, my number one go to if I need to social engineer anyone in today's world is social media. Uh, you know, we can mm -hmm. talk about oversharing on social media and how everyone is is guilty of it. You know, from when Facebook was first invented and everyone decided to upload every picture they could find. You know, they started creating a digital trail. Uh, this is over ten years ago. LinkedIn is no different. You know, LinkedIn is just the Facebook for work. But everyone likes to talk about what they do, what their accomplishments are, you know, right or wrong. LinkedIn is kind of the, Hey, look at me. It's your active resume. So if you are a level, you know, if you're uh, an MGM employee and you know, you are proud of your, uh, your status and you've got a, a certification under your belt or you're Okta certified or you're super user and admin, you put these things on your, on your LinkedIn. That information is harvested by attackers and, and threat actors all the time. And 
I don't think this was a random person they chose out of MGM that randomly happened to get them Okta, you know, super user privileges. This yeah. was a targeted attack because they were able to figure out that this person in this role had that those credentials. And they probably did a lot of surveillance beforehand to figure out the lay of the land within MGM that, you know, okay, they needed to figure out how people signed on, you know, what systems were, were in place and how you could traverse those systems once you had access. And, and they decided that, you know, they could get uh, almost anywhere within MGM if they had those Okta uh, credentials. And so after they got in there, it was just a free-for-all. But, you know, this, this sounds extremely sophisticated, sophisticated operation. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to ask you if you think this is this is viable. There was uh, an interview being done uh, of a government uh, official who was talking about the problem of teenage hacker groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were they were they were mentioning lapses and what kind of chaos they caused. Um, but they're thinking that this group was a group of teenagers mm-hmm. from an English speaking area now they identified it as either the uk or the united states correct and they didn't even identify like places like canada and micronesia and so many other places where unaccented ink or mildly accented english is spoken Mm -hmm. but anyway they were saying these are teenagers from an english-speaking country that did this do you think these teenagers are actually sophisticated enough yes wow yeah, that, that absolutely answer is yes. Um, I would, if I had to build a red team or a team of attackers, even some social engineers these days, yeah. uh, I would, I would be recruiting 19 to 21 year olds as well, just like these groups are, you know, these are, these could be state sponsored groups. These could be, you know, independent groups of, of, of just young youth that are trying to, you know, obtain money, but they are not, they are not script kitties. Right. So script kiddies are, you know, it was traditionally used in the cybersecurity world of, you know, that younger person who just, you know, goes and downloads a script and then tries to launch it on someone else and they hope for the best and they they work their way through an attack. No, these are this this was a targeted attack that I believe probably had months of recon planning and execution in place. The help desk call was, you know, weeks before the breach was even reported. So how long were they inside the system? You know, how much recon did they do before? Probably three to six months. Um, how many people were involved? Yeah, I'd say probably upwards of, of at least, you know, five plus to, you know, to, to have kind of the technical skills and knowledge just to be able to, to, to go after, you know, basically one of the world's largest hospitality brands that, you know, everything, everything leads me to believe that this was a very sophisticated attack by people that know ex- exactly what they're doing and what they got. I mean, they deployed ransomware. Um, uh, there's, there's reports that ransom was paid. Um, and that money was transferred. And uh, I would say, yeah, they're, they're determining that they're English speaking based on what you, you mentioned at the top, that the fact that even the attackers are talking about this online. Um, and the analysts have probably just gone through and, and realized that they're not the typical, you know, Lapis group or Russians or, you know, uh, Chinese because, because of the way they presented themselves. Um, and, you know, the, the, Western, the Western side of us in, in this world, we like to have, take credit for what we do. Um, it's a little bit more North American of us to to kind of get up on the pedestal and say, look what I did, mm-hmm. um, especially when it's in the news. And so they start to break down all these different profile things. And, you know, so NSA and you know, FBI and, and you know, all the, all the different uh, acronymed groups know exactly what they're dealing with. They just don't necessarily know exactly uh, where they are. Okay. Now, is there any way to defend against this kind of attack? 
Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's a few things that could be in place. Um, you know, number one, they should never be giving out challenge codes or or two two FA codes over the phone, right? right. That that I mean, that is uh, corporate policy that that should have been uh, created and trained and pushed out, you know, uh, many, many moons ago. Um, they should also have segregation on their network. So, you know, if you do have access as a, as an Okta super user, you should not have the ability to transverse into the, you know, the virtual environments and, and the server farm and the Microsoft Azure. And I mean, they apparently took, um, information off of, uh, MGM as well, including social insurance numbers and personal information. Um, so, you know, they were able to shut down ETMs, shut down the on-floor gambling. Um, there was reports that even, uh, you know, security access was disabled. Um, so you, you could actually transverse through the MGM elevator system to levels and floors that the typical users should not have access to. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of doors open, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of ways this could have been stopped. Number one would have been awareness training, I think, right at the uh, at the call center, the help desk level of making sure that those people, you know, everyone across that board, they understand what a, so a social engineering attack is and they understand how susceptible they are to it. And the fact that just because they believe they're only dealing with their own staff. You know, they, they need to make that difference, you know, that, that differentiation that at some point they have to understand that they could be a part of an attack. Um, so they could have, they could have uh, safe words, you know, they could have rotating challenge codes that if you have to call the help desk, you actually have to be able to present today's uh, password in order to get help. So there's I've a actually, lot of ways. I've actually heard people mention that. There's, so now with deep, uh, with deep fakes and, and everything else going on, Lou, there are uh, certain uh, video conferencing meetings that you'll join that you'll actually have to present a real life password in order to participate in that event. Because uh, by this point in technology, like the Ryan you're speaking to could be a deep fake video of anybody, right? Yeah. So there could be someone sitting behind the scenes right now producing this video. So, you know, that has to get, you know, and especially with deep fakes and phone calls now, any voice can be replicated. Uh, and it's happening all the time. You know, unfortunately, it's happening to seniors where they think they're getting phone calls from their grandchildren, but it's just yeah. a deep fake voice, et cetera. So there has to be the next step. And I think the next step is going to be that real life 2FA, I call it, where, you know, you know, you would have called me on the phone, Lou, and you would have given me the, the, the word today. And when I joined this call, I would have given that challenge back to you. And that's how we know we have a trusted line of communication. And so help desks can kind of take that next step to to try and uh, break down, you know, some of the, these social engineering attacks because it's not going to stop. And what MGM just proved is if one of Okta's largest clients operates like this, what do you think everyone else operates like? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, and you, so how... so you, you mentioned a level one help desk uh, that it might've been offsite. Yes. Would that have been outsourced? Uh, likely, likely third party at this point. Um, so, okay. you know, they, so, okay. So here we've got, you've got a level one outsourced help desk okay you've got a guy being nice in other words no, no karens could have actually pulled this off mm -hmm. yeah okay. I, I, typically because you know you know you've dealt with help desk support lines call centers before right you know that yeah. if you're trying to get your cell phone bill adjusted or your delivery on time you kill them with kindness and, and they'll go above and beyond and help you out yeah if so you're rude and impatient it doesn't work. Yeah, that's that that's that's interesting. But you know, it's just if you're going to use third parties, you're going to have to be just as diligent and checking their understanding of cybersecurity as you would with your own employees. 
Uh, 100%. And that, that is something that I, um, I speak to quite a bit because a lot of companies oversee, like overlook that fact. They, they, they look at their, you know, they look, if they look at security awareness, for example, they'll look at their core employees, but they don't look at the contractors that they let onto their network. They don't look at the summer students, you know, that show up for a couple months that have access to the network. They don't think about, you know, the third parties in this case could be a call center support center. Um, you know, and, uh, that, that again, have access to your network and, and they're actually controlling the keys to your castle, but you're not controlling them. Yeah. And I think that that might be an outgrowth of the lack of, of, of just plain workers that companies are so desperate Too for cybersecurity workers that they're, yeah. they'll almost take anybody in who says, oh yeah, I know how to use a keyboard. That is a massive threat. There's that, but there's also, unfortunately, a lot of the times with someone like MGM, it's probably more a cost savings exercise. Yeah. And so by having that call center, support center, level one, especially level one, level one is like, you reset a password, you tell me how to connect my printer. You know, it's all these basic yeah. things that this calls, like, I don't know the intimate details of this call center, but in, in other situations, these third-party call centers could support multiple clients. And so, you know, it's uh, one day like Ryan sitting here and, you know, oh, it's, I'm on MGM today, but maybe the next, the person next to me is actually dealing with Hilton, you know, right. and there's multiple clients in multiple environments. And you just simply have kind of your walkthrough what to do for this client. And they give you the problem and you give them the solution, right? If you escalate it to like a level two or level three, that probably goes back in-house to MGM. And that's where, you know, those people are a little bit more in tune where they can do remote, you know, access and, and different kind of higher level stuff. But the cost savings of moving that kind of level one support out of typically, you know, America and Canada, um, that's been exercised by many, many companies. Um, and uh, it comes with its, its laundry list of security threats. You know, okay. those people are easier to compromise as well. If you, if you can't social engineer them, you can blackmail them. Um, yeah. Or you can just manipulate them into, you know, doing what you need to for money. You know, there's famously people that are inside of trusted circles that are more in service roles, such as, you know, house assistants and drivers and all these different, those people are the number one target for threat actors because they make a fraction of what, you know, the target makes, but they have access to the target's network, computers, devices, and everything else. Okay. And yeah, so this is, this is in my mind, no different. Well, when I put when I put this call out for people to you know to comment on, on what might have happened, yeah, you were the first one to come in, um, and nobody else contacted me on LinkedIn, but I got a slew of press releases from PR firms saying, "Oh yeah, my client could have stopped this cold." No, which I think is bullshit. But it and, is, and, and, and I would goes, love to see it. <laughs> yeah, and well, I'm going to be talking to several of them next week. So, but but you work for a company, Click Armor, and I think I should give you the chance to tell us what Click Armor does. Yeah, well, thank you, Lou. I mean, Click Armor is a security awareness training company. Um, ah. So our our you know our mandate is to to help uh, you know kind of protect everyone inside of an organization, but we focus on it from a human level. And so a lot of a lot of cybersecurity training um, comes at it from a systems or process point of view, uh, and it's usually presented with here's your PDF or here's your video. Uh, Click Armor, we've created an interactive, gamified uh, training environment uh, that does things a lot differently, and it actually gets the the content to stick through kind of micro learning. Um, and it's uh, you know it's just a different way to do it. And so one of our courses is just on social engineering. We have a 15 minute course that will walk users through exactly what social engineering is, what to look for, you know, how to spot it and how to prevent it. 
Um, and so our methodology of, of learning is we always like to introduce our, our users at the top of, of why they're learning, because that's very important to the human element of to understand why they're doing something. And then we do a bit of a baseline test. We'll walk them through a full lesson, and then we'll test them out at the end. And so we serve organizations from five to you know, 10,000 people. Uh, we can provide the reporting and the, you know, the notifications and everything to, to ensure that security awareness training actually sticks. Because unfortunately, uh, it's been a very boring topic uh, for many years, uh, and it hasn't been sticking. And this is a case of it. You know, I know for a fact, like MGM would have had security awareness training. This help desk operator would have had to go through some sort of security awareness training in order to have their position. But it obviously wasn't in-depth enough. And so really, the only thing that could have prevented this is having either way tighter controls, which slow down productivity, cause a lot of you know, issues that way, cost money, so organizations don't do it, or bringing your people into the world and making them even more aware. And then unfortunately, it takes situations like this to happen, where then everyone starts to perk up and say, oh, well, can that happen to me? And the answer is yes. This type of attack could happen to anyone at any time, personal or professional, uh, and it has could have very devastating results. Okay. Um, I think that might be the one honest way of saying, yes, what we sell could have stopped this cold. So. Yeah, but I, you know what? At, at the end of the day, what we sell could have, could have prevented this. Yeah. At the end of the day, we need to remember that the attackers are going to be more sophisticated than us. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, the bad guys always have the upper hand and we're always trying to play defense. Um, so sometimes the defense is a stronger offense, you know, uh, so uh, as I said, I think, you know, it, we, we can't criticize MGM in the situation. We can't criticize Okta. Um, you know, there were the expected stop, you know, stop gaps in place and, and 2FA was on and everything else. But what we can learn from this is, you know, social engineering is a very powerful tool um, that is still used by a lot of uh, threat actor groups out there. And almost anyone is susceptible to it as long as you're a human. All right. Uh, Ryan, thank you very much. This is highly educational, and uh, I'm looking forward to writing this article. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very much, Lou. It was a pleasure. And uh, anytime. I'd love All to right. chat again. Bye-bye now. Take care. Okay, so I don't want you to go anywhere if you don't have to. I mean, you may need to take a break right now, but we're continuing on with this because Mr. Healy Ogden uh, made the statement that you know, the best way of dealing with this is training. And yes, he's got a very good point, especially when you're talking about small organizations who can't afford a lot of money on tools and technology for cybersecurity. But that's not the absolute best thing you can do because there are problems with that. And, and we're going to go into that right now because uh, I interviewed the CEO of Hyper. Uh, he is uh, Boyan Simic, and they have a product that overcomes part of the problems with having a low-level person uh, be able to have control over how you authenticate people. So we're going to have an in, this interview now, which brings the other side of the argument, and I'll be back at the end. I'm sorry this is taking so long, but I think you're going to enjoy it. So our next guest is Boyan Simic, the CEO and founder of a company called Hyper, spelled H-Y-P-R, uh, all caps. Uh, and what the, they've got an interesting technology and also an interesting perspective on what happened with this. And so... 
Hi, Boyan. How you doing? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Uh, hanging in there. Hanging in there. It's been a busy week. Of course. I wouldn't have it any other way. Yep. So um, we're talking about uh, the MGM Grand Breach because I got a um, an email from Jay mm -hmm. saying that your technology could have stopped uh, th this attack. And I want I want to kind of uh, back up a bit and, and look at, uh, at what's happened because I've done quite a bit of research. I've talked to the people at Okta. Uh, MGM Grand won't return my calls, but I, I have uh, done quite a bit of research. And the thing is, this particular breach has been better covered than pretty much any breach that I've ever seen. I mean, even the people that pulled it off have written extensive reports about how they did it. And there's there's only one thing that isn't covered very well, and that's really the focus of this article that I'm working on. Um, it's that the, the the attackers use LinkedIn to identify a high level executive at uh, Okta and then impersonated him in a 15 minute phone call with a level one help desk worker, convinced him that he was who he was and got him to turn off the multi-factor authentication and send a reset code to this guy, which essentially gave a 10-minute window for the hacker team to get in, drop the malware, and get out. So the question is, uh, based on what I got from Jay, how would your technology have stopped, uh, stopped this social engineering attack? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's two ways that our technology can directly help. Uh, one is eliminating that social engineering variable. And two is actually eliminating the downstream effort that was used by the hackers to actually spread throughout the environment. Um, so you, I'm sure you read the analysis and the, and the posting by the actual threat actors themselves, where they were able to intercept the passwords from Active Directory to the Okta cloud environment. Well, they were given. Uh, and, they, they were given access to it. Well, well, they were they were initially given access to uh, the MGM environment, but then the way that they got access to everybody's password within MGM was Okta has a product that synchronizes your uh, Active Directory passwords to Okta itself, uh, and those passwords are sent basically in plain text. So once the hackers executed the social engineering attack. They were able to use that as a foothold to then get access to everybody's account with right. The MGM. Right, that much that much I got. But what I'm interested in is the comment that you just made that um, your system would have stopped that social engineering yes. attack. So that's what I want to get into here. So the way that our system works is uh, it is a tool that can be used either by the help desk or other people within the organization to verify people's identities when they are asking for a MFA reset. Right. Um, and the way that it works is it uses a, a number of factors. So instead of calling up a IT help desk, a, a, a person who wants to get their MFA reset has to go to a website where they put in their email address. They then put in their uh, we will verify their phone number by sending them an SMS code. 
uh, and then we'll ask them to verify their location. And then we will put them into a chat room with, uh, with the IT help desk or their direct manager within the, within MGM in this case. Um, and then they will be required to do a video chat in this application. And during this video chat that they have with their manager, for instance, we will do real time face recognition. Um, in order to validate this person's identity. Uh, so that way, if it, if it's a adversary pretending to be an OCTA employee, for example, or an MGM employee, even, they would not be able to go through that process because as the moment that the camera turns on, they would be, they would be outed. They would be, they would be, uh, they would be identified as fraudulent and the the credential reset won't would not be able to occur. Okay, well, I I, I understand all that, but number one, the level one uh, help desk was not within the MGM system. It was uh, an offshore uh, uh, supplier. Okay, that's okay. Uh, the person doing impersonating the Okta employee said he had lost his phone, and mm -hmm. and needed to to. Uh, ha have the reset done. So there, there was no way you could have done the facial recognition or or anything else. So the question is. Oh, but we can. <laughs> okay. We absolutely can. Even so, that's exactly the scenario that we're able to fix. Is when people get a brand new mobile device, how do you bootstrap a credential securely onto their new device? That's the premise of the product. Um, okay. So I can actually show it to you if you give me two minutes to get to my last. Okay. So that's okay. I think yeah. it, the visual could certainly help here. Um, but yeah, this, this product is intended to be used by IT help desk or other people within the organization who can verify and attest to a person's identity, um, which is and, uh, and, the critical and, and, step in the process. And this doesn't exist within the Octa system. Not at all. No. Okay. And there, there's no way that the help desk could have turned your system off. No, there's no way. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's exactly it. it's because the, the the help desk person turned off the person's MFA because in order well, not, to not just the person's MFA, they turned off the entire MFA protection for the entire system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh. It's not a good thing, and I think once that once the hacker got access to an account, it was a privileged account, which then allowed them which then allowed them to make additional changes to Okta. Yeah. So this this system that we've built is independent of Okta, but it integrates with it, so it cannot be turned off, um, you know, willy nilly, so to say. So so um, so if it turns out that this person actually did work for Okta, and really did need to get reset. He's out of luck. He he wouldn't have been able to set up. Uh, he would have if he went through our system. Yeah. Uh, if okay. he's an actual Okta employee. Okay, so I'm going to break in here for a second because what he's done is he's sharing his screen with me and showing me a demonstration of uh, his product. But I think what he has said uh, is fairly clear. So back to Boyan. Okay. Right.
what they'll do is they'll be asked to go to a website uh, like newphone.hyper.com is what we use internally and they will provide their email address okay once they provide their email address we will look up their phone number and we will send them an sms code that they will need to verify so this is just very baseline level check once they do that we'll ask them to provide their location and once they provide their location we will put them into a chat room as you can see here and this chat room says hey while, while we wait for your help desk store manager to join please upload a photo id ah okay so they upload a photo id I, on the right hand side here the manager answered first but this could also be the it help desk and they see all the things that have been verified about this person so far so they see they're 0.4 miles away from their address to file so on and so forth and then they get put into this chat room together so now they're just having a human conversation so now they're having they're having a combo and in this case the verifier says hey let's do a quick video chat i need to know that it's you okay so that they each have a little video icon available to them in the app they will uh, launch that and then as they're having the conversation we will do a real-time face recognition comparison between the video stream and the images that we have of them on file okay so you can see here both parties, the approver as well as the person getting approved, were verified. Okay. And we can pull these photos from their badging system or their HR system or whatever they have. Um, so now if, if this was an adversary trying to get a new device enrolled, um, the face recognition would obviously fail. The document that they uploaded would not be verified successfully. Um, on top, uh, on top of many other things, including location and other. So, stuff. how do how do you verify it? Verify the document. Yeah, I so mean, it, what, what if somebody does a deep fake on this? I mean, the, these guys were the, the, these attackers were very sophisticated. We we know they were probably teenagers, but I mean, they did their homework. So, if they knew this was in place, they they could use a deep fake to, to to get past this, couldn't they? But, well, they would have to have the person's phone. They would have to have access to a person's document. They would have to have, they would be able to, they would need to be able to create a deep fake of a human being. And they would need to have that deep fake be so convincing that it can bypass, it, it would need to fool a manager or help desk person who knows this individual idea. Yeah, but but remember the, they were saying this is who I am. I lost my phone. So they're mm -hmm. using somebody else's phone or they're or or they're using a burner phone. So are you saying that, they, that 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 they, they wouldn't be able to go through the process because of this? Well let's go through what happens if when I get a new phone. Right? I go okay. to the Apple store, I give them my old phone and they give me a new phone. My old apps aren't there, but it's the same phone number 99% of the time, right? Yeah, but, but in, in, in this case, th that's not what they did. It wasn't the same phone number. That he was using a burner phone with a different number. Yeah, that's okay. So if they, if, they can't do the, so if they can't do the phone check, then they will still have to pass the location check, the ID check, and the video check. Okay. So like three out of four. Right. And um, and if, if if 
a certain number of checks fail in this example, we may request an additional approver to also pop in um, based on the level of risk we, we deem okay. necessary. So here the manager will be satisfied with this person's identity. They will approve them. And then they'll get issued a, a link that they can then use to enroll their MFA. Okay. Um, and like, you know, you said, you said that like the, um, that these guys were very sophisticated. I mean, most of the work they did was open source intelligence, just going on LinkedIn, figuring out basic information about these people and then calling the help desk a certain number of times until they get good enough at answering the questions that the help desk asks, which is yeah. typically, hey, what's the last four of your social and the date that you started or something like that. Um, so it's it's these basic knowledge-based questions that help desk asks, asks um, that are just fundamentally insecure. Uh, and, and, you know, that's why a teenager can do this with very minimal resources. Yeah. Okay. You don't seem convinced. I'm, I'm interested uh, what your thoughts are. Well, I, I, I... Number one, you, Hyper is the third company that contacted me after I put out the call saying, this is what I'm working on, saying our technology would have stopped it cold. The other nine, when I actually put these questions to them, they said they didn't want to talk anymore, and they hung up. So you're the first guy to come all the way through. Um, one of the other companies I did talk to was a cyber education company. And what they were saying was is that the best defense against social engineering is training. But oh, Lord, come on. We've been trying to do that as an industry for three decades. It doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, I know. But his point was <laughs> is that it's not just doing the training. It's making sure that the training sticks. And in this particular case, whoever it was who was on the help desk, the training didn't stick. And these people get paid $15 an hour, if that. They don't care. And yeah. Like, they, you could give them, a, a, you know, a, a college course on help desk, and yeah. they're not going to care. Like, they, yeah. they get paid minimum wage. They just want to get through their day. They just want to do it with as little hassle and little pain as possible. They do not care. Uh, yeah. And so it's never going to stick. That's an interesting way of looking at it, too. Okay. Now, and what you, you're noticing my, my hesitation, yeah. yes, because one of the issues going on in the cybersecurity industry is that big companies like MGM Grand are cutting back on their buy of new technology simply because they have bought so much technology that they aren't using and they don't have the resources to even try it. Or if they have tried it, it's incompatible with everything else they've got. So that makes the idea of them buying another piece of technology to protect themselves to be rather disconcerting. They don't, they're not sure it's going to work. So what you've shown me, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and for a large corporation, maybe they should do it. I, I don't know if, a, you know, because I don't know how much your system costs. Um, I, I don't know if it'd be, be good for a small to medium enterprise. Uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it's intended for anybody who uses Okta or Azure. Like those ah, are okay. Those are the integrations we support out of the box today. 
Um, so if you want to, if you want to do a credential reset so that you can log, get back into Okta or back into Azure, uh, this is the solution for you. Okay. Okay. Well, that that's great. <laughs> Uh, that makes sense because now now we've identified specifically what's going on. So when I write this article, I'll be able to say, okay, if you're a large organization using Okta or Azure, this is probably what you should consider buying because it will stop that problem. If you're not using Okta or Azure and you, because you can't afford that sort of thing, you need to invest in training and making sure it sticks with all your employees and third, maybe you shouldn't be hiring a, an offshore help desk to with, with access to your system. That's exactly it. Like if you're going to have an offshore help desk, have them be able to do the bare minimum thing from a security perspective that exposes your organization to as little risk as possible. I mean, that's, okay. yeah, this this uh, this concept of least privilege has to apply, especially in today's world where you know I talk to people about this. You know, pre-pandemic, if somebody was trying to impersonate one of your fellow co-workers and they, they made it through your building and they sat down in the cubicle next to you, and you would very quickly notice that it's not the guy that always sits there. <laughs> and you'd ask yeah. him, like, hey, who the, who the hell are you? Um, but that's happening today in the digital world every single day, yeah. thousands of times. Yeah. And nobody asks a question. Um, one of our customers recently told me a situation where one of their employees had tragically passed away and they did not even know about it for four months until the guy's wife came to the office to pick up his stuff because he was working remotely from home. Right. They were still paying him salary, still paying him benefits. And he, the guy died four months ago. And so, like, if you as an organization, and this is this is a company that has thirty five thousand people. I mean, they have processes, they have a large security team, they have data, they have analytics, everything. If this if this type of stuff can happen at a company like that who is security forward and minded, how the heck, how the heck does everybody does anybody else have any hope? That's that's a that's I'm going to quote you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Okay, so that wasn't the longest one we've ever done, but it's still a fairly, fairly much a uh, marathon for Crucial Tech, and I appreciate you going all the way through to the end. Uh, this demonstrates a fairly simple concept here, that in the area of cybersecurity, there's no one answer for everything. You are going to get hacked by someone somehow, no matter what. The only thing you can do is reduce the possibilities uh, and the vulnerabilities as much as you possibly can. Training is important. Having the right technology is important. But just being aware that people are trying to scam you online is the most important. That's what zero trust is all about. Um, I, there is, uh, there will be this article that will wrap a lot of this up uh, that I hope you will go to read if you're not reading it already because this is embedded in there. There's also going to be a sidebar about another situation that I uh, helped with uh, on an individual level. And the issue is, is that there are people out there who are trying to scam you that are better at this than you will ever be. And you've got to keep that in mind. Uh, if you have any comments or questions or if you have any examples of 
the times where you've been scammed. Uh, we'd love to hear about it. Uh, it always builds up our database and uh, we're here to help. So this has been Lou Covey from Cyber Protection Magazine and Crucial Tech. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been a Footwasher Media production.